Welcome to the All About Alts podcast, where we explore the world of alternative investing to help you find financial independence. Join our host, Newview Trust's president, Jason DeBono, as he covers a variety of topics with different guest speakers to discuss tax and alternative investing strategies. It is never too late to start taking control of your financial future, and we are so excited for you to be joining us for this opportunity to hear from some of the best in the business. Welcome back, everybody, to the All About Alts podcast. I am your host, Jason DeBono, and I am joined with a good friend here, a fellow Newview colleague of mine. Steve Maldonado, better known by most around the building and outside this building as Syndication. Steve, how are you, man? Yeah, Jason, thanks so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. It's not every day that I get to participate in New Views podcast. I'm so excited to be joining you and excited for our conversation. Cool. Well, you know, Steve came to us by way of entering into sales and business development. And Steve has really finds himself now running our entire syndication platform from a business development standpoint, which is pretty cool in your time that you've been here. But let's talk a little bit about what does that mean? Because I think for a lot of people, we use buzzwords, we use words like syndication, and maybe we've heard them, maybe some of the listeners have heard some of our previous guests talk about it. But let's just boil it all the way down to bare bones. What is a syndication and why in the world would you be running a division that deals only with syndications? <laughs> yeah, it's a great point and you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's been a popular subject of discussion over the last couple of years and definitely a way for people to maximize their retirement savings potential. It allows investors to get started investing in real estate without having to actually manage the day-to-day operations of a real estate investment. In essence, a syndication is a group of investors pooling their money together for a common investment purpose. Here at NewView, we more specifically deal with those that are syndicating real estate and more specifically commercial real estate. Commercial real estate comes in many forms, industrial, self-storage, mixed use, multifamily. But by all means, it's a group of people that are coming together, pooling their money and purchasing a larger asset using the benefits of economies of scale and scalability, professional property management, and so many other ways to scale their portfolio without having to actually do the labor that's associated with those deals. In a syndication structure, there are really two active parties. The active investor, often called the general partner, and then the passive investors, which are the limited partners. Here at NewView, we service both parties, and I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later on in our discussion. My team more specifically connects with the active investor, it's known as the general partner. Those are the individuals that actually identify the real estate opportunity and package it up to present to their investors. And then the limited partners are those individuals that we service here at NewView that have a little bit more money than time, want to invest in real estate and diversify their portfolio outside of the stock market, but again, don't have time for that active day-to-day management of toilets and tenants. They'd rather put their money to work for them, receiving monthly income, allowing their money to grow for them without, again, having to do too much of the thought that goes behind actively investing. In syndications, real estate certainly being probably the most common thing we see syndicated. And sometimes that may just be timing in the market, but that also is probably because Real estate beat is one of the most easy to understand investments for passive investors. What other types of asset classes do you see on your platform that are being syndicated outside of the real estate world? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm sure a lot of people have the same question. We just worked with a group a couple months ago that finished a raise for medical device that would help detect specific forms of cancer. 
They went and raised the $3 million to put into their research project in hopes to advance you know, some of their research endeavors. So it's really an exciting space to be in. Again, like Jason mentioned, you know, we do work a lot with those that are investing in real estate. But again, syndications do extend outside of those real estate opportunities into so many other platforms. We have tech startups that approach us and work with us as a way to fund their business and startups. And so really the possibilities of syndications are endless. And at its core, it's just a group of like-minded individuals that want to come together for a common investment purpose. And that structure can be really applied to any industry. Yeah. And I think we could probably lump in private equity as a form, which there's so many different nuances Mm -hmm. to that. Gosh, oil and gas, probably. It does. It ranges the gamut in terms of what people are doing. And, and I think Steve was very clear in, in kind of his, his explanation that really it's just a pool of investors that are investing into one common asset or series of assets, all professionally managed. So that's something that is the kind of distinguishing factor here on the syndication side. So if we take a look at syndications, you know, what's the last three, five, 10 years been like? Is this a growing market? Is it a slowing market? Is it a maturing market? What inning do you think we're in, in the maturity of, uh, of this syndication model? Yeah. So, I mean, over the last two years, the syndication model has been extremely popular. The low cost of debt and a number of other factors have really amplified the return on investment for not only that GP, right, the active investor, but also their limited partners, those passive investors. So it's been a really exciting space to be in for many people. We have seen it cool off a little bit as far as, you know, deal flow and things like that. But, you know, with with everything, there's booms and busts and cycles. Looking a little bit further back to 2012, when the Jobs Act was passed, that's really what kind of transformed the space for many people looking to jumpstart their small business or other endeavors. And it set aside provisions for crowdfunding and really gave people the ability to go after new forms of capital that they otherwise wouldn't have access to. And it changed the landscape dramatically in terms of who has access to these investments, you know, syndications really up into the last five, 10 years have really been a secret of those people that can access it. Syndications typically deal with, you know, higher net worth individuals that can absorb the possible risk that's associated with those investments. And so for the longest time, they have really been kind of behind the curtain and offered only to those individuals who they they deemed really qualified to participate in their syndications. And now we're starting to see more and more opportunity exist for the day-to-day investor that we work with. The barriers for entry are a little bit lower. And we'll talk about you know some of the additional requirements, but beyond, again, the accreditation status, um, it's really an interesting place to be. And again, it allows those busy professionals that have spent some time growing their nest egg, the ability to grow that that much more, diversify their portfolio into something that's not stocks, bonds, or mutual funds, which are underperforming currently. Well, when we look at the Jobs Act, you know, and and my career in this specific world, you know, stretches a significantly longer than most. You know, having started in the alternative space back in two thousand five, and you know, I, I think to your point, you know, syndications really were those very wealthy asset class, you know, mm-hmm. type tools, and so we didn't see nearly as many. And with the Jobs Act and crowdfunding and general solicitation, the ability to really put these sort of assets in the hands of individual investors in the masses has been really, really cool to see. I kind of look at this, it's almost like a mutual fund, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, if you kind of think back, right, the idea of a stock was you could buy stock A or stock B or stock C. And if you knew what Apple was or Netflix, right? And so you, you kind of have this single point. And the average investor, maybe not so much today, but historically, right, the idea was you could pick and choose a handful of stocks, right? Buy enough for diversity, buy in different asset classes. 
mutual funds came in and said, hey, I'm a really good stock person. You're not as the average individual. What if I go buy all the stocks and, and I syndicate out this deal to you as an investor? And so mutual funds really paved the way for what we see in syndication today. And so we're now kind of seeing this mutual fund approach, which is regular everyday type asset class, but available to the masses, which is super cool. And the Jobs Act really was a, a big Kickstarter in terms of getting that underway. You know, one of the things that's nice generationally, and you represent more the youthful investor that really didn't go through the 2005 run up in 2008 fall, you know, you, you at the time were still too young to kind of have experienced that with your own money, maybe sure. through your parents' lens. But how do you see that now, right? As we approach some economic uncertainty, how do you see your generation kind of entering in and viewing these, what used to be historically sophisticated asset classes? How are you guys viewing those today as far as getting into syndications and entering into that realm? Yeah, I mean, there's still, a, you know, a, a barrier to entry, right? And for the young professional, we are working to still grow our portfolio. The JOBS Act, while it's set aside provisions for general solicitation and has really accelerated the growth of these opportunities and the availability of them, it also puts certain limitations on people that can invest. As I mentioned, you know, it's really limited to those people that can potentially absorb the risk that's associated with these investments, right? Right. With investing in real estate, there's inherent risk. And for people that are just getting started, like myself and other and others alike, that nesting is super important to them. And they may not have the ability to access those particular offerings, but it's something that interests us, right? Because again, we're working really hard to build our career. We'd love to put our money to work for us, uh, get started in real estate. And again, people love to tell you all of their successes in real estate, but don't talk about all of the headaches and sleepless nights that they have. And for a young professional, again, that's building their career, raising a family or whatever that looks like for them, it can be hard to also juggle the active management of those. And so going back to you know the benefits of passively investing, it's very attractive for the, the young professional that has the ability to access those offerings. And so it's definitely very attractive. And for those that do have access, we're definitely seeing them go there. Yeah. And access is really an interesting topic. You know, if you kind of rewind uh, the tape a little bit, let's say 20 years, Access to alternatives, whether it be real estate, individual real estate, oil and gas, I and mean, all of this stuff seems so foreign. Today, you know, if you kind of think about where we are, what would historically be considered an alternative asset and been really for the two or three percent of the population, these are now asset classes really that we're seeing almost becoming mainstream. I mean, cryptocurrency would be a prime example of something that really for my generation, I look at it and I don't quite get it. It seems like an alternative. Mm -hmm. To your generation, right? Alternative, it's a normal asset class. Mm -hmm. We're seeing some of these crowdfunding platforms that are now taking large scale assets and now chopping them up. I mean, Amazon has a platform that they're backing where you can go put $10 yeah. into a rental property. Yep. That's pretty cool stuff. How's your generation taking to that? Was that just a regular day? And do you guys see that as an investment into an asset almost like buying a stock? Or do you guys still perceive it as being an alternative and, and either perceive it as more risky? You know, walk us through that because this world is much different than what I'm used to. Absolutely. So I think that the message is still that traditionally those looking to grow their portfolio for the long term need to invest in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, follow the advice of their financial advisor, traditional wealth managers, et cetera. Real estate is something that's, again, been on the top of people's minds for so long. And I think that for the younger generation, we're seeing more exposure on YouTube, social media and other places where we're seeing people that have amassed 
wealth. And whether that's real or just for the internet, we believe that there's opportunity there. And like I mentioned before, while these syndication opportunities are a great way to grow your wealth and save for your retirement, they may not be accessible to everybody. And so for the young professional, these fractionalized opportunities into real estate, those companies that are tokenizing it and, and, and turning it into something that we know, like the cryptocurrency, it's taking down some of the concerns, some of the walls that were associated with those in private investments before. It's making them more accessible and more feasible to fit into our existing portfolio. It's giving us the opportunity to kind of get our toes wet into real estate without having to invest our entire nest egg that we've worked really hard to build in the short time that we've been employed in our careers and out of school. And so, no, I think that it's very attractive. It solves a middle market problem for, again, those young professionals that haven't had the 10, 15, 20 years to save, but want to get started investing in into real estate. Again, they want to, they see the benefit of not only having their money into those traditional assets, but also diversifying into these alternative investments. And when they are packaged in ways that we are familiar with, like the tokens, right? Like the cryptocurrency, mm -hmm. we are working with a group right now, the Treasure Experience, they are raising money to go launch a treasure expedition. Okay. These guys have found millions of dollars of gold and treasure, Spanish treasure over their career. And now they're raising money. They had an idea of tokenizing the investment, right? And so for one token, you pay a thousand dollars. It's a fractional investment into this treasure finding opportunity and whatever they find, you get a fractional portion of that return. So it's a really cool way to package it up. And I think that it makes it super exciting for younger people and it simplifies it in a way that we can, we can understand. This is so cool. And it's so cool having kind of watched this evolution transpire mm -hmm. over a long period of time. And we've always kind of said in the 18 years I've been doing this, like, how can the alt space look closer to the public equity space? And we understand they're different, but they're not so different in that they're an investment that requires due diligence that you have to think out. And just like you can go pick a stock that's got a really cool story to it, you know, you could go pick a an asset in the alternative world that's got a really cool story Absolutely. to it. And that's a lot of fun. And so, but just because it's fun doesn't make it right. And so there's a level of due diligence that everybody needs to kind of have. But it it seems to me, not only is this becoming more mainstream for, especially for the younger generation, that that's, this is all they've known, all generations mm -hmm. are getting on the bandwagon. So it's not just the, the people that grew up with crypto is in their face from high school, but it's actually people that have maybe never understood crypto and maybe never will, but realizing that, hey, there is a packaging approach here to a new product that I can get behind. And so I love to see it. I love to see this concept and notion that I can go out and hop on any one of these marketplaces and buy an alternative asset dang near just as easy as I can go buy a stock bond or mutual fund. And mm -hmm. so- there's always winners and losers and due diligence is critical, but what a pretty cool time. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, uh, you mentioned platforms that fractionalize the real estate. It's again, it's just increased the access by so much. What's really cool, and you touched on it a little bit, is the tangibility, right? Is that I know looking through some of the platforms that I'm on, I've identified apartments or other investment opportunities that are right in my backyard. Now, 
We live in a big metropolitan area like Orlando. And so it's not uncommon that those investment opportunities do happen in our market. But it's so cool that you could possibly be invested in those opportunities, drive up the street and say like, hey, guys, I own that building. And yes, you're not you don't own the whole building, you own a fractional. But how cool is that? It's just the tangibility for me. I know that's what excites many of our investors. And it's what excites me a lot about what I do, where I find most of my passion is that this isn't just numbers on a screen, you know, and graphs and charts. This is tangible assets. This is something that you can touch, hold, feel, see. And I think that's great. It says a lot about an asset class when you can actually look and see what you own. Yep. And you can do that in the corporate world as well. And, and maybe this is a good time to kind of hold this little discussion because I love the thread that we're on and maybe pick back up and talk a little bit about some of the differences between asset classes as it relates to public equities. Mm-hmm. So let's definitely do that. Whether you are prepared for this or not, Uh-oh. you are going to be on the, the hot seat for our quirky questions of the day. So Maggie has our envelopes here. Remember, if you have quirky questions, these are all listener submitted. Send those in to us at Maggie with a Y at newviewtrust.com with a U. So Maggie will get those. I haven't yet asked her what the actual criteria for selection and putting them on a sheet is, but maybe that'll just be a myth that we'll leave out there. But all right. If your life was a movie, who would play you in it? Oh, wow. Okay. That's a great question. Probably Vince D'Onofrio. I identify a lot with his character in many different movies. I think that we have a pretty similar humor. Now, while he's much taller than me, I think that we also fill out a similar structure. And so probably Vince D'Onofrio, if he was younger. Now I have to, I guess, lead with that, that if Vince (laughs) D'Onofrio was 20, 30 years younger, Vince D'Onofrio. But yeah, I definitely see a lot of qualities in Vince D'Onofrio that I see in myself and between his roles in Full Metal Jacket, Law and Order and everything else. His characters have always resonated with me. I think that we speak a very similar language in the sense of our personalities. And uh, yeah, Vince D'Onofrio. All right. You sound like you've given this off before. (laughs) All right. Number two is double dipping... A chip in a dip acceptable in social settings? Ooh, that's really tough because I'd love to say yes, because I am a double dipper. So I may be a little biased if I if I give you a absolutely yes, it's socially acceptable. Go ahead, double dip, triple dip, do whatever you want. But no, generally, I mean, if you're around a group of people, unless it's your family, let's keep the germs, especially knowing what we know about COVID. Let's keep the germs to ourselves and only dip once. Just get enough dip on your chip. You know, that's a, as a fellow double dipper myself, (laughs) that's like one of those things that it sounds really, really good in theory, right? It's not practical. Oh no. And maybe this is a message to chip manufacturers out there is, you know, you've got to create some better structural integrity on these things, uh, depending on what I'm dipping in, getting a chip nicely dipped is a challenge, but I have to agree with you on this one, undoubtedly. (laughs) Well, I don't like the outcome probably not a good thing, right? You can't make a good argument to do it. (laughs) All right. Number three, if you could instantly become an expert in any field, what would it be? Wow. I mean, I have to say real estate again, it sounds a bit biased. I'm fairly new to, to what I do. My journey with new view extends a little bit beyond my actual employment here. Believe it or not, one of my earliest memories of working with Newbie was actually cutting my rent check and dropping it off at the box at their front door. 
I learned about the power of self-directing through my old landlord and, you know, several years later, again, was given the opportunity to work here at Newview. And so real estate's always been a passion of mine. It's ever changing, but there are a lot of things that history has taught us. And so there's so much to learn. And, you know, I've been doing my best, of course, with the help of Newview and all of its support to gain as much knowledge, you know, in all the various nuances and corners of real estate. And real estate would definitely be at the top of my list. I believe that, you know, and hearing from the people that we, we get to interact with every day, seeing the actual output and outcome of, of their hard work and effort, real estate definitely seems to be what turns those that don't have a lot into millionaires and a whole lot. I mean, I'm, I'm watching uh, Winning Time right now. It's a great show. It's on HBO Max, not to plug them. John C. Riley again, love that character that he plays, but Dr. Buss got his start in, in real estate, right? He owned a bunch of real estate in California and other places and started leveraging his real estate as a means to purchase the Lakers and turn that Lakers dynasty into a billion dollar dynasty. And so it, it's just really incredible the doors that real estate opens up. So if I could go to sleep tonight and know everything about real estate tomorrow, that's what I would choose. I, I love that answer because I agree with it completely. It really is. It's, you know, real estate's an interesting asset class because it is not only has it been probably one of the largest creators of wealth, but it's also been one of the largest preservations of wealth. Sure. And it's also been one of the largest tools in passing wealth to three generations. So certainly we're biased on the real estate side, but I completely understand your sentiment about wanting to be an expert. And I think there's people that, that we've had on the show that have been doing this 20, 30 years. And if you asked them what they could be an expert and they'd say real estate right. and they've been in a long time. So it's an evergreen market, one that forever changes, which is great. It gives us stuff to continually talk about. But Syndication, Steve, you're officially off the hot seat for the <laughs> right. court questions. Thank you for that. And thank you for submitting those. Please, as you guys come up with ideas or thoughts, send them over to us. We love getting those put on the sheet and read aloud here. So we talked about kind of holding this thread. You know, we started looking at you had made a really interesting comparison. You had mentioned charts and graphs, right? Kind of this public equity model. We've got to look at the chart. And is it red? Is it green? What are the trends? What's the one day, the one week, the one month? None of that's really available in real estate, right? Yes, you can certainly run charts and graphs and you can run pro formas, but you can't really look at one week, one month, six months like you can in a stock. How do you see that being different? What are the benefits, pros, cons, drawbacks, if you will? And how do you view real estate as an asset class and understand it if you don't have that traditional kind of P&L to look at? Yeah, no, I mean, that's a great question. I think history can tell us a lot, right? Investing into real estate is nothing new. It is something, again, that's becoming more accessible to those that, you know, it otherwise wasn't accessible to before, but there's really nothing new. And I think that history has a lot to teach us about so many different things from politics to how we deal with our family life, but in real estate and to your point about not being there in 2008, right? And now navigating a very similar time in real estate, we see many operators that we've worked with kind of falling to the wayside as they work to navigate this because they were younger at that time. They didn't have the same experience going through that downturn in the market. And so I think looking at history, uh, you know, can definitely teach us a lot about where we're going and also help us assess, you know, real estate deals. Of course, there's some common considerations when assessing real estate deals like 
market demand and location and things like that. But yeah, I mean, history, working with an experienced operator, any experienced operator worth their weight in gold will have you know accurate reporting of their deals that they've gone full cycle on, the history of their returns for investors, and can give you some general sense of what you might expect in their next opportunity. And so while it's not as traditional as looking at graphs, and yes, it's not as real time as logging onto your Schwab or your TD account and, and seeing your holding there as they change or trading them on a real-time basis. But, you know, again, any sponsor, investment sponsor, whether it's real estate or any other form of private equity investment should have accurate reporting that can give you at least a better understanding of how they've performed and what the potential for them to perform in this next opportunity would be. Understanding real estate, you know, and if you kind of think about kind of taking this two different ways, when you think about your investment in a syndication, it's really a little bit less the asset and the asset class and more the issuer. Sure. Right. Kind of like a mutual fund. I mean, you know, certainly I want to know that a mutual fund is going to be in owning certain asset classes like growth stocks or they're going to own large caps or whatever it is. So there's some knowledge base. But ultimately, when it really boils down to is I actually am really looking at the performance of the issuer sure. and how well they perform because they're in and out and balancing the portfolio and buying and selling. I mean, that's what you're ultimately paying the fee for. In a syndication, it's really exactly the same thing that you're doing. You're not necessarily looking at a piece of property and saying, this is going to perform well, this is not. Certainly, you have to be of the opinion that real estate in this market or this asset class or type will perform. But you're really looking at this longer past performance. I don't care what you did last week. I care what you did the last 10 years. It's a very interesting approach to investing because if you look one of the, the cases that I've always made for real estate and, and why I personally am a real estate investor is because I've always gotten far more comfortable faster with the economics of a real estate deal than a stock. Mm-hmm. You know, if I go and look today and here we are sitting in almost Q4 of 2023, if I look today, we have the largest number of zombie corporations in the public equities than we've ever had. I think the number I heard was 47%. Wow. That means that 47% of the companies that are out there today have no profit. Hmm. Now, a little different world today. Sure. But if I look at that and go back to the fundamentals I was taught, you know, and the first time anyone ever told me in college about how to evaluate stocks, it was a price earning ratio. Sure. There is no price earning ratio. Right. Yet, if I look at a piece of real estate, right, I can get a pretty good understanding of how much does this cost? How much does it run it for? What are the expected expenses? And I can kind of get a very quick back of the napkin assessment on this deal. So, you know, if you look at this on both ends of the spectrum, right, syndications mean you don't have to know and understand real estate because you're trusting someone else and giving them the opportunity to let their experience speak for itself. Yet I still have this underlying mindset that, hey, if I needed to back of the napkin this real estate deal, I could probably do that 10 times easier than I ever could a stock. Right. How do you in the marketplace today, being that you're working with syndicators, mm-hmm. what are you seeing out there in terms of how they're evaluating real estate? Mm-hmm. What are they seeing with current market conditions? Mm-hmm. You know, I think we'd all agree we're in some form of correction, whether the first inning or the ninth. What are you seeing out there? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that despite coming off of all-time highs, you know, occupancy rates are still high. Another thing is that there's a, a big demand, right? Despite about a million units in the construction pipeline, 
the United States is still underhoused by about 6 million homes. And so the potential for multifamily opportunity and other forms of real estate investing is just huge right now. And, and I don't think that the, that demand is going to go away anytime soon. And, you know, again, we talk about multifamily, we talk about other forms of real estate, but there's such a need for, again, affordable housing, right? And there's so many opportunities that exist to provide people with affordable housing. And so, yes, I think that current market conditions have definitely cooled down. I think that certain factors like increase in property taxes, insurance, uh, the cost of debt and a number of other things have significantly decreased the level or sorry, the amount of deals that are out there. And of course, decreased some of the returns for those investors, but deals are still out there. So I think that it's important to know that while we are working with operators, or while there are operators out there navigating the challenges in the market, there is still so much opportunity out there for investors to make money and really maximize their retirement. And again, to your point, Jason, it's really about working with those experienced operators that have you know, navigated the market, have successfully taken those deals full cycle and looking at their history to evaluate your potential to invest with them and what the performance of your particular investment may do. Now, I know there aren't all of the same metrics that you have in this private equity space for real estate, but you know, there are a couple of things like IRR, equity multiple, and a few other things for investors to consider as far as metrics when considering those opportunities. And again, looking at the history and the performance of those operators and also understanding how they've navigated these markets market segments, especially these downturns, is really important to evaluating those opportunities. So where does someone like me go? I like the idea of real estate. I like the idea of private equity. I like the idea of this mutual fund approach to alternatives. I don't want to go do the work myself. I want someone to do the heavy lifting, but I want to have a good amount of these assets to kind of comb through and review and pick from. So where would you suggest that beginners like myself that have never done a syndication go maybe to find some resources, education, knowledge, but more importantly, actual issuers that have these types of capital raises that I can participate if I so in fact decide to. Sure. So I think that the one thing that I've gotten to know about real estate is that it's such a generous community, again, not just from the financial side of things, but with the knowledge that they share. It seems like most of the people that I speak with are willing to share their time, their experience and lend advice. And so finding communities in your local area, like real estate investment associations, local Facebook groups. I know many of the operators that we work with host local meetups uh, where they talk all about syndications and the deals that they offer. So looking into those communities, there are also online platforms like crowdfunding platforms that feature deals, Palace, CrowdStreet, YieldStreet, just to name a few. So there's plenty of platforms that are trying to help bridge the gap between those investors that are looking for new opportunities. But again, just being plugged into your local communities, online communities, and then those platforms that were specifically designed to feature those opportunities to make accessing them much easier. Yeah. And that to me is probably the greatest thing that's come out of this Jobs Act is you know, because it's digitized while not necessarily digitizing Mm -hmm. the idea of being able to buy into an alternative. And, you know, if you really think about it, I can't think of the name of the Amazon back company now, but, but for name branding, it's an Amazon back company where you can go online, look through, you know, all of these individual properties and say like, I want to put $20 in that one and $50 in that one and $100 in that one or $5,000 in that one. That to me is such a cool place to get to in this world because prior to that, the level of of exclusivity for most people in either access to deals or if you found a deal, $25,000, minimum investments, it kept so many people out of this market. Sure. And now here I am, I can own a little bit of money in 50 different rentals and 
what I love about small dollar increments from an investment is if that investment returns 15%, it's still 15%, whether I owned a dollar of it or a million dollars of it. So it's really cool to kind of see that evolution. So let's wrap up a little bit, just kind of closing in on this idea or nuance around the IRA side. You represent, you work with syndicators and issuers and investors into syndications but you do it in a unique environment because you work for an IRA custodian sure. that really solves what purpose do you serve for an IRA investor? What's the why behind needing you? And then how do you work with, you know, how do you serve these sponsors and issuers as a custodian as well? Yeah, absolutely. So like I mentioned at the beginning, you know, most of the investors that NewView services are those investors that are looking to diversify their portfolio outside of traditional stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. Now, not to say that they don't have investments there, but they are looking to expand what they are currently invested in into other offerings. And so, again, we service a pool of investors that are investing into those alternative assets. Now, for the individual looking to invest in syndication, we've explained some of the benefits, i.e. being a passive investor versus an active investor in the real estate deal, owning a fractional portion of that deal without having to worry about the actual day-to-day -day management. You can take advantage of economies of scale and the scalability that comes with managing multiple units within one property without having to actually own 100 different properties. It's really such an exciting potential for the actual individual investor to maximize their retirement savings potential. It's really changed the lives of the people that we've worked with and, and so many of the other people that we will continue to work with. And for the syndicator, IRA investments and alternative investments in general have become more popular. And as you see the investor base being more and more aware of that, they are looking for new opportunities and they are going to look for those, those uh, operators that have created innovative solutions like IRA custody. And partnering with a custodian like us will really help make sure that you're in compliance with IRS regulations, but also understanding how you can truly maximize your capital raising potential through those investors. You know, our platform is really purpose built for those people that are raising capital, whether it be through syndications or private equity funds and provide them an all-in-one solution, not just to house their investors, but also to help them go after more IRA investors and ultimately increase their investor pool. There's about $14 trillion sitting in IRAs mm -hmm. today and another $19 trillion in defined benefit and contributions plans that'll be rolled over in the next 10 years. And as more and more people get privy to the fact that they can put these funds into those deals, you will see that investor base grow. And so the name of the game, again, for the syndicator is finding money, finding capital. Mm -hmm. It allows them to grow and it allows them to continue to help their investors. And so this IRA solution not only provides an innovative product for them to offer their investors, but it also helps them access a larger pool of capital that otherwise might not have existed. And again, partnering with an IRA custodian like New View Trust will not only ensure your compliance, but also make sure that you're at the forefront of any new discoveries in the space, technology, or otherwise that will make things a lot more streamlined for the capital raiser as well as their investors. It continues to amaze me just how fast this syndication business is continuing to grow. And you know, I shouldn't be amazed. I think we've been seeing this kind of, right. you know, the fuse has been lit for some, some time, but I'm excited to see the evolution so that everybody, you know, regardless of your age or what your experience or your income, at least views non-publicly traded assets as accessible. Mm -hmm. That's an exciting time uh, to be in this industry. That's oh, yeah. for sure. So, well, listen, we're going to let you off the hook completely here, but we're <laughs> not going to do it without getting the learn before you burn guidelines. This is pretty simple here, pretty straightforward, exactly like it sounds. 
we ask every one of our guests to help us understand, hey, what's an experience and a lesson that you got together that you can share the lesson side, but leave behind the experience, right? So tell us what you did or what you learned by touching the hot stove so I don't have to go touch the hot stove. So <laughs> Steve, with that said, what's your learn before you burn? Yeah, I grew up very fortunate uh, to have two very educated parents that always instilled in me that it's it's important to know as much as you can, right? My dad was a bit of a know-it-all, and I definitely think that that rubbed off on me. So definitely always challenged many of the individuals that I came across. And so I think a lesson that I've learned, again, is that you, you're not always the smartest person in the room. And again, going back to a comment that I made earlier is identifying those people that are stronger than you in certain capacities, and of course, helping showcase them and supporting them in any way that you can. So just admitting that you're not always the smartest person in the room, that there's another way to flip a pancake other than your own, and just you know leaving the door open to uh, exploring how other people do work. I love it, especially with a flip in the pancake analogy right. <laughs> nestled in the middle of it. Syndication, Steve, well done. Thank you so much for being here. Been, uh, been a lot of fun having you on the show. Yeah, thanks again for having me. And until next time, thanks so much. Yeah, well, for all your contact info in the show notes, should anybody want to reach out and pluck your brain and figure out you know, some of the insight that you have into the syndication side of things. For everybody else, thank you so much for being here. Please hit the like, share, subscribe button, leave us a review. Help us continue to build this community of people that are getting smarter about alternative assets, all while learning how to keep more of what they make by using good tax-efficient investment strategies. So until next week, we will see you here on the All About Alts podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We hope the information within this podcast has given you the tools that you need to find your way to financial independence. We would love to partner with you on this journey. Text ALTS, that's A-L-T-S, to 407-708-1853 to learn more about how to get started today. Don't forget to follow us to make sure you don't miss a second of content, and we'll see you next week.